Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are going to be talking with the author, Hallie Edelman. Hello, Hallie. Hi, Martha. I'm so excited to be here with you. I am so excited to have you. I um, I just have been so pumped for this. I I got one of your books. I got Way Past Mad and I have been reading it with my nanny kids and it is just, it's so delightful and just does a great job of really looking at the different ways that anger can ripple out. Yeah, for sure. And I hope you ask the kids to show you their mad faces I definitely (laughs) did. I definitely did. I know it's so cute to see the kids like make their maddest face. (laughs) I love it. It is. It is. Um, Well, great. Before we talk about your books and and lots of different projects that you have going on, um, let's hear a little bit about your life journey um, and, and working with kids. Well, I think I've always worked with kids. It's been, um, I don't know, just something that's always brought me joy, which I know you can connect to as a Mm -hmm. nanny. And I I told you already, I hear how joyful you are when you speak about your nanny kids, which really Mm -hmm. fills my heart. Um, For me, I started as an educator. I taught elementary school students and just loved being in the classroom with the kids and, um, Then I continued teaching. I wound up actually getting my doctorate in education and taught people who then wanted to be teachers. And that was really also really rewarding. But for me, you know, those are some of the things that I did before I became a children's book author. And when I was um, finished finishing up my doctorate in education, I wound up having a really close friend who gave me a journal. Hmm. And she said, here, you know, instead of a gift that says Dr. Edelman or something like that, I want to give you this because maybe you'll start writing down your picture book ideas. And honestly, I didn't even know that I talked about story ideas. I mean, I knew in the classroom, I wrote with kids all the time. I read with kids all the time. You know, I loved imagining. So we were always imagining together and being creative together, but I didn't even really know that I was talking about these ideas so much. 
And really it was at that point where I filled the journal and started um, just exploring what does it look like to be in the business of writing for kids? How can I actually do this? You know, like, right. what do I need to learn to actually um, be decent at writing for kids? And um, that really kicked off my journey into, into this, this space of sharing my heart with kids and, and showing a different way of caring about them. Yes. I love that so much. My, my mom was a teacher, um, for years and years and years, she's retired now, but I always loved being in her classroom because it is, it's such a, a, a bustling and, and creative space. And yeah, those kind of story ideas just kind of pop up all the time. Um, so it's wonderful that you, transformed that into actually these really wonderful and very helpful stories. Thanks. Yeah. And it's, it's just so fun. Like kids to me are magical. Like there's something about just being around them that, you know, all of those joys of childhood come rushing back all of those ideas of, you know, climbing trees and, and stomping in someone's yard with snow everywhere. Like everything just comes flooding back and it's just, it's just so fun and pure and amazing. Yes, it really, really, really is. So um, where did you, when you did decide to start writing children's books, where did you start? Which one was your first book? Oh, well, my the first books that I wrote were really, really, really bad. And nobody's <laughs> seen them ever, <laughs> except maybe like my writing group who we've written together for so many years. So they saw like those early stories that really deserve to stay hidden, period. Right, right. <laughs> they were really didactic. I mean, I think for me coming from the background of a teacher, like I just had like a really like teachery kind of voice that I was just like mm-hmm. trying to teach things and not really focus focusing as much on like just character and heart a little bit more. So I think, um, but as far as my first book that came out into the world, um, that was my quiet ship and Mm -hmm. that came out in 2018. And for me, it was a really personal story. It was a story I wasn't actually, you know, I had an agent at the time and, um, she was waiting to see a different piece of mine that was a longer piece. And, um, I, I wasn't ready with it. So I was like, oh gosh, I, I better show her something. So I had this really personal piece on my computer. You know, I would go into schools and after, even after I was teaching, you know, volunteering. And for me, I grew up in a house with a lot of yelling mm-hmm. and I would hear kids talk about the same thing. So I kind of wrote, it was almost more of like a poem almost about what I had done when I was little. You know, I pretended when there was yelling that I had this under the desk rocket ship and I would bring my stuff to animals. And um, that really was the foundation for the book called My Quiet Ship, which is what this little boy does whenever he hears yelling in his home. He goes under, you know, his desk and pretends he's blasting off and pretends he's the commander because he wants to be in control so badly. Right. Um, until, you know, one day the yelling's so bad that it breaks his ship. And he has to really figure out a way that he can share that this yelling makes him feel scared. Oh, wow. What a, what a lovely gift to give children who are experiencing that, um, this, this story that, that reflects their experiences, because yes, I, I, I know that you are not alone in that childhood. Um, 
So I, I, I really admire that you were able to turn that into a story and, and help others through it. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was really exciting, you know, for me when I go into classrooms and I go into schools, you know, we talk a lot about the sounds that kids could wish they could quiet down. Cause even if it's not yelling in your home, you still might have sounds you can quiet down. Even if, even if you're not using a quiet chip for yelling, you might want to, you know, use a quiet chip to be creative or use a quiet chip because you're like, okay, my brother or sister's driving me nuts right now. Like, <laughs> I need my own space. So I like to have these pieces that even if we can't connect on every aspect of an experience, there are still other pieces that we can connect. We can be creative in our own ways and we can um, just, just help kids be heard and be creative and, and feel understood. Yes, yes. And I, I love that idea of asking um, kids, what sounds they would want to quiet down. Um, and I, I'm sure you've gotten some, some very fun answers there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I can even think, I mean, like my nanny kids are often so sensitive to noises, um, that like my brain just filters out automatically. And so until they call my attention to the noise, I, I honestly don't hear it. Um, and so it, it is, it has been really eye-opening or ear-opening, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and interesting when they point out a noise and I'm like, oh yeah, I do hear that. But they, you know, they often can't get past it until we've like all acknowledged what the noise is. Yeah, it's so it's so true. It's funny because I was I know you know that I also do some work in film and we had somebody working with us on the sound team and we walked into a room and he said, "Oh my gosh, I have to unplug the refrigerator." <laughs> for me, I was like, "What are you talking about? Like I don't even hear the refrigerator." Yes. So yeah, definitely. So maybe the kids will will work in sound one day. Oh, maybe. I I think they'd be great at it. Yeah. <laughs> well, wonderful. Yes, I, I love that idea. And I also love like creating, like we talk a lot about like calm down spaces and things like that. And a quiet ship also sounds like a really lovely area to like calm down big emotions um, when you're experiencing them. Yeah, and I'm sure sometimes as a nanny, you probably need your own quiet chips. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so yeah, and then it's it. Your books seem to have then morphed to the Way Past series. Is that true? Yeah. From yeah, after my quiet chip, um, I was lucky enough that the. Um, editor that I was working with, Wendy McClure over at Albert Whitman, which is outside of Chicago. So I know you're, oh. uh, yeah. Um, so um, she was nice enough to ask me, hey, do you have any other um, books that you can share with me? And the book that I shared with her first was Way Past Mad. Wonderful. Yeah. So it really just evolved from there. Um, and, and then it turned into this series, which now we're, you know, about to have the third and fourth books coming out. And then we have a couple more coming out next year as well. That's so great. And, and like I was saying in the introduction, I really love, because I, I think that a lot of children's books or, or many of them can deal with anger in them, right? Like we see kids get mad 
in children's books, certainly. But a lot of times it's a very like isolated mad or it's just focusing from the point of view of that child. And it doesn't have what your book had, which is the ripple effect of anger of, you know, like once you are mad and you snap at someone else and then you give your mad to them. Yeah. I, and, and you're right in the book, it says, you know, that the, the mad, like it starts and swells and spreads like a rash. Cause sometimes that is what happens you know, I try really hard also, first of all, I was very lucky to have been paired with Sandra de la Prada, who also represented Mad so visually. She's the illustrator for yes, the book. The illustrations are gorgeous. I can't even stand it. I mean, when I when I saw the cover for the first time, I was freaking out. I was like, she's so amazing. I can't even stand it. But I think what I, I like to do, and it looks like um, Sandra also really felt was important was just the idea that like feelings are complicated. Like we sometimes say like, okay, you're mad and that's it. But really like feelings are layered. Like you can be mad and sad at the same time. You know, you can be mad and and frustrated and, and hurt. Like it, it could be kind of like a ball of everything. And sometimes when I write and, you know, any nannies who have kids who like to write, you know, or even just like to talk about stories, I almost, it's almost like I'm, and I know you talked about improv um, in the past, you know, yeah. being, being interested in improv, but it's, I'm almost doing that in a sense. I'm almost like envisioning that I'm this kid and really just whether it's like I have a video camera or whether it's like I'm doing improv, kind of I'm playing it forward. So sometimes I don't even know, like when I, you know, I didn't even know she was going to take her mat on her friend when I sat down to write that book, but it just became so real. Like, you know, just being in that moment and as a child, in a sense, it just really is, you know, I try to really connect to that piece of myself that was a kid and a, a piece of all the kids that I, that I've loved, that I've taught that, you know, my own children and really just play it forward and see what happens. Yes. And I also, I do really love the the way that you describe how the feeling of mad moves through her body and then also happiness when she feels happy again, that that is also, and the, the really like visceral way that you describe it paired with those gorgeous illustrations. I think that it is important because sometimes we don't take the time, like we teach kids the emotions, right? We're like, these are all the names of the emotions and we might, practice faces and, and look at, you know, our emotion charts and things like that. But we don't as often get into like how the emotions feel or can feel in our bodies. Um, and so I love that that is part of, of your books as well. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's funny because I, I learned from, I, I've done some work, you know, there's a local children's museum um, near me called the Franklin Institute. It's a science museum. It's amazing cool. for anybody near near my area that wants to take uh, nanny kids out. And same with the Please Touch Museum, which is also amazing. But um, besides those places, you know, when I was working with the Franklin Institute and we were talking about the science of emotions, you know, one of the things that they were sharing with me is like, you can't stop a feeling. Like you get a feeling and it's like flight or fight, right? right. So you know, when we think about the kids, whether it's, you know, the kids we're nannying or the kids, you know, we're taking care of, like, they're going to get feelings. Like <laughs> They're going to get big feelings and they yeah. can't control that. But then it's about, like you said, 
helping them shift from kind of identifying these feelings to kind of maybe acknowledging, oh yeah, like that is what, what I'm feeling. Like that is, that is mad. That is worried. That is sad. That is jealous. And then giving them the tools or helping them find their own tools to then manage them once they have it. Yes. As Dan Siegel and Brene Brown say, name it to tame it. Um, I will say I, and I, I shared this on a, on a past podcast as well, but, um, sometimes, so we, we do talk through like how the different emotions feel in our bodies. Yeah. And one of the things that we talked about with mad is like your face can get really red. Um, but then we were playing and they were playing superhero. And so I was like, picking them up and zooming them around the house with superhero capes on. And I I got hot and my face got really red. And they were like, oh no, Marsa, are you mad? <laughs> I was yes. like, nope, we have to talk about this too. That's not the only reason your face can get red. And that's so good that you're doing that with them. By the way, I'm going to have to send you way past worried because there's a little boy who's worried to go to a superhero birthday party oh without. Yeah. And I see like, you know, in, uh, I see that you like superhero masks too. Yes. So there's also these superhero masks that I have that I'll send to you, but, but you're right. You know, like sh- helping kids identify it, you know, also really trying to help them figure out like, you know, one of the things that I've, I've loved doing is create, I created these like power poses Like we have these certain poses or stances our bodies can be in um, when we're feeling like some of these grumpier moods. But what happens when we shift just our postures? What happens when we put ourselves into different poses? Like whether it's like a hug pose where you're hugging yourself and reminding yourself you could spread love or a peace pose where you're like doing deep breaths. So I love to show kids that they can change their bodies to start changing their feelings. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes even just like the act of smiling, like just shifting your face differently, like sending different chemicals to your brain, you know, just giving yourself the opportunity through your body. And with kids, it's, it's, you know, they love being really relying on movement so much that, um, you know, I love when I do like school visits or, um, you know, doing work, zoom visits. I love ending with, with like a dance party. I have this like yes. wave past mad song and then we all dance to it. And sometimes just like, you know, showing them that this, that movement in different ways, you know, a lot of people like to run. A lot of people like to do jumping jacks, like just showing them that movement can also be another tool for them to deal with their feelings. Yes. And I have found, so I directed a theater camp, um, during the summer, several years and, um, we would have big dance parties and it was so interesting because, you know, once the kids, cause we had uh, kindergarten through 12th graders and once the kids hit middle school, you know, like the just free dance it is really, really hard for middle and high schoolers. And so what we would do is like Wednesday of the first week, we would bring in like our itty bitties our babies. And we would say to the older kids, not in front of the itty bitties, but we would be like during the dance party today, watch the little kids, like just, you know, dance so that you're participating, but also just watch them and watch how free they are with their body. And I know that it is hard (laughs) to be that free with your body. And I think as adults, we also struggle with this too, 
that there's a lot of vulnerability in that free movement. But there's also like so much good stuff that happens when you're able to move your body in such a free way. Um, and I think we lose that unless, unless we really actively practice <laughs> how we move our bodies and being vulnerable with our bodies. I absolutely love that you did that with kids and had them kind of watch. But, and another thing that I love to do with kids that are, you know, cause I taught actually fourth and fifth grades. Oh, great. Um, so starting in fifth, it was funny because there was a big difference between fourth grade and fifth grade. Like in fifth grade, the kids were a little bit more um, self-conscious and like looking over their shoulder more or aware that their peers were there. Whereas in fourth grade, if you're like, let's dance, everybody would be like, you know, woo. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. Like one of the things that I found with kids, and I don't know if it's true for every kid, but from my experience was really just the idea of asking older kids to help a little kid. So mm. help, oh, will you dance with this little kid? Will you help them? Like, will you teach them the four square, will you teach them like this dance move? Cause it just kind of like, I guess what we do with um, kids in schools when it's like pairing older kids with younger kids for reading buddies or whatever, like not only does it help build compassion for older kids, like research shows, like, you know, older kids working with younger kids builds compassion, but it also allows them to feel more of that they're doing it as a, a teacher kind of role or a loving role rather than being watched. Yes. Yes. And they, they get, they feel powerful because yeah. they're like, well, I'm, I'm in charge here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Letting them feel like they can be loving and pass down some things they know. Yes. I love that. Well, will you tell me more about way past worried? Oh yeah. I can tell you about everything. So yes. way past worried is, um, this little boy named Brock. And, um, on the day of his best friend Juan's superhero birthday party, mm -hmm. he finds out that his brother Bax can't go with him. And Bax is his normal sidekick. Like he always goes with Bax. Like, what do you mean? I have to do something that now might make me feel worry. And then his worry compounds. I mean, his costume feels too small. And, you know, then the dog messes, messes up his costume and it looks even worse. And, oh. you know, he lets his mind get out of control. Like, what if I get there and nobody wants to play with me? What if I get there and nobody will talk to me? What if I get there and everybody's going to laugh at my costume? You know, kind of like that mind spiral that can happen when someone's way past worried. Right. And then from there, you know, I, I love, um, you know, he tries to take deep breaths. He, he does what he can to kind of try to push through his worry, at, but ultimately he, he kind of runs back and, and feels like he needs to, to leave. Like he doesn't, he doesn't want to be there. And all of a sudden he hears someone else taking deep breaths. And when he looks, he sees that there's this little girl who's just moved to the neighborhood and she's kind of worried to go into. So it's funny because when he starts talking to her, he's sharing all the things about his friends that like would make him feel safe and kind of like debunks his worry a little bit. Like, oh, they're really nice. And this one does this and this one does that. Like, you know, I guess he hears himself and then realizes like, well, wait a minute, like maybe we, I can be worried, but I can still be brave. And, and that for me was super important um, for kids to know that you know, when you're trying to take steps forward, when you're feeling worried, it doesn't mean your worry's totally gone. Like, right. you know, I think sometimes people like to say like, oh, you're not worried anymore. Everything's fine. But sometimes that's not really true. Like sometimes course, we're yeah. still worried and we're still like, 
you know, superhero fighting that worry um, to, to, to make sure that we're, we're able to have a chance to, whether it's do something we love or connect with people we care about. So um, yeah. that's a little bit more about wave has worried. That seems, uh, I think, really important as we move out of, you know, everyone being in quarantine. It's it's a big adjustment for everyone. Um, And, you know, who knows if we'll be going back in or, you know, who knows what the future will bring, which also adds to the worry. But I think that that's an important message of like moving, that you don't have to be 100% not worried to move forward into a, a potentially very fun space or not, but you can, you can uh, move forward with, with your worry still there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I think it's for me, when I work with kids, I just like to be really realistic with them. You know, I'm, I, I try really hard to like, Oh, not, oh, you'll be fine. Like, let's just do this. You know, I try really hard not to do that, not to just brush off a kid's feelings because sometimes it's just easier to say, yeah, you're really worried. I've been really worried when this happened. Like, what should we try? What can we do? What's one step we can take together? What, what would feel okay? You know, like, all right, we, we did this one step and it's not so terrible. Like, can we take another one? And, and is our worry real? Like, you know, just really parsing it, parsing it out together. Yes. That's so, so, so important. And yeah, just reflecting feelings is so powerful, um, with everyone, but especially kids. Yeah. Uh, tell me about way past sad. Yeah. So way past sad is about a little boy named James and his best friend Sanj is moving away. So the boys are going to have to be at a distance from each other. Mm. And it's really about, um, kind of James going through, going through sad, figuring out how, like, does he have, is he going to get past that? Is what are things going to feel like without, without Sanj around, you know, acknowledging that like he has other friends, but they're not Sanj, you know, what are some of the things he can do when originally all he wanted to do was run home, cry and like get into bed. (laughs) So how can he find his way past that and, and, and feel hopeful that even though things will be different, he can connect with Sanj and, in this book, you know, especially as far as I like to think of like beyond book activities, right? Mm-hmm. So since you're, you know, sharing this with um, with, a, with a group of nannies, I mean, one of the things that um, James does in the book is he draws his mood. Mm. Um, so, you know, just the idea of having kids when it's hard for them to really know exactly what they're feeling, sometimes just drawing what they're right. feeling. You know, he draws a ship and he draws, he uses all these deep, dark blues and the ship is sinking. So like, you know, what can kids draw? And the other thing that I've been doing, you know, there's a, they really love, um, you know, they pretend they use boats together, the boys. So one of the other things I've been doing is using this telescope, you know, and asking kids, like, how do you, how can you see past that? You know, what is it that you can look at and find that can help you feel a little less sad? What can help you feel better? What can you see? So really just the idea of like crafting, like the crafting telescopes and, you know, asking kids, can they have a happy scope? What would, what would they see if they were using a happy scope? You know, those types of things to help kids start talking about what they see and identifying what situations, what circumstances make them feel sad, happy, and, and some other big emotions. 
Yes. I love all of that so, so much. And you know what I realized is that this will come out after April 1st. So go get, go get it. You can get it. You're in the future of us. Yay. (laughs) That's so exciting. Yeah. You're already, you're already there. It's been released. (laughs) Wonderful. And then tell me about Way Past Jealous. Yeah, way past sad and way past jealous. So way past mad and way past um, worried. We're both illustrated by Sandra De La Prada. Way past sad and way past jealous are illustrated by Karen Wall. And um, in way past jealous, I really explore, you know, I'm sure there's also times where you're talking to kids about attention and getting attention and and jealousy um, can creep in when someone's feeling like they're not getting attention. And in this case, there's a little girl named Yaz and um, her friend Debbie's drawing these dogs and everybody's giving Debbie attention over the dogs. Like, oh my God, they're so amazing. They're so awesome. And Yaz is like, I just drew my best picture ever. Like, I don't understand this, you know? So she gets really, really jealous. So jealous that as the story goes on, she winds up after Debbie's um, picture is on the board of the stars of the week. She winds up sneaking into the classroom by herself and pulling Debbie's picture off the board. Oh, wow. So again, you know, these complicated moments where kids might choose and, you know, sometimes as adults, we choose the, the actions that could hurt other people. So again, you know, having Yaz take this action and having to figure out how to get past jealous, you know, in her case, you know, I love, um, you know, I've been doing a lot with stars, you know, mm-hmm. in this book really for the idea of kids to realize, you know, you might be attending, like someone else might be getting the attention, but how do we hold on to the star that we are, you know? And um, so that's, what's really to me important in this book, you know, she winds up being able to admit like at the end, you know, she's winds up to be able to share with her friend what she did wrong. She winds up being able to um, draw with her friends and, you know, draw friendship pictures and, you know, kind of get past that jealous, you know, she even makes these, what she considered, what she considered uh, dogs, but her friend actually thinks are bumblebees. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, just really getting past jealous and teaching kids, how can you be the star you are, you know, and as far as the activities, you know, that we were talking about for the nanny kids at home, you know, one of the things I do have lots of these activities on my website, waypassbooks.com. Yes. Um, but one of them is like printable, printable star shades, printable sunglasses that, that are stars. You can, you know, rock it out and make your own color in your, your sunglasses, put them together, put them on and just remember, you know, that you shine, you shine just cause you're you like, it's okay. If someone else is getting attention, it's okay. If you put your friendship first, cause you shine just cause you're you. I love that. And I will be printing those out with the printer that I bought because it's quarantine and I (laughs) had to buy a printer. Um, uh, And I will also say, I love that so much. And it reminded me of this one time I was trying to make stars, like cut out stars for my nanny kids to do some, some project we were doing. And, um, stars are so hard to cut out and I unless they're drawn already yes but I was (laughs) trying to do it like at first I was trying to do it freestyle because I didn't want my drawings on there I wanted them to just be the stars because I think we were gonna like be looking at them from multiple angles like a diorama or something and I was like 
I feel like I cannot do this. It was wild to me. And then I finally- One side always is like longer than the other. And then you're like, wait a minute, why is that leg like super big and the other one's tiny? (laughs) They all looked like they were like like reaching, like one of the angles was super wide and then the others were all scrunched up. It was- (laughs) I I was like, okay, well, I now know that I'm never going to win the award for cutting out stars and that that's okay. Yeah. You're Um, still a star. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, I love, I love all of those. And I think especially way past jealous, um, that's, that's such a good topic to cover because, um, yeah, even just siblings, like that's a hard once the sibling shows up and babies need so much more attention. And I think, I think that that would be an excellent resource for nannies who nanny kids might be struggling with younger siblings or even like start, you know, they started school and that can be its own bag of jealousy. You're used to being the apple of your parents' eye and then yeah. you go to school. So yeah, that's a really good point. And then you have to share, you have to, you have to share the attention with so many other kids. Yes. Yes. And there's also, you know, like then the kind of popularity contests that can pop up at schools and um, in weird, weird ways that (laughs) I, I still visit with some of my older nanny kids who now don't need me as their nanny, but we're still friendly. And it is, they'll tell me all the hot gossip and uh, it is, it's so interesting. Totally. <laughs> um, wonderful. Well, tell me about the world of Ha. Yeah. Well, um, for me, you know, obviously I, I just love story as a way to kind of communicate and lift and, and love and, you know, inform and all that stuff. And the world of Ha is just kind of an extension of that. It's just kind of another medium of story you know, in addition to working in the area of books, just, um, you know, story in, in the area of, of films, mostly documentary films. Um, so really what happened was there was a family, I was working on a writing project and there was a family I knew for many, many years. Um, they were struggling with generational addiction Mm. and, um, their oldest daughter started talking to me and, um, we wound up, getting to the point first we started writing together and then we wound up getting to the point where we thought that documentary film would be a great way for her to share her story help other people and the family bravely said you know we want to share our story you know we talked about it might be even more powerful to show what this looks like for the whole family and um you know from there we we worked on that documentary together and I was lucky enough to see so many of the changes that the super brave family was able to make and really see the power of film, see the power of story and self-expression and how um, it could allow people to see themselves in a way that they don't normally see themselves. So, you know, I would definitely encourage all the nannies out there to ask the kids if they want to record themselves or talk about things that are hard for them when they're, they're dealing with frustrating things or, you know, just film themselves while they're at the dinner table, you know, just so kids can, can decide that they want to see that or watch that back as another catalyst for change. 
And when I saw that that was such a powerful catalyst for change for families um, and, and to spark conversation, um, you know, then I started working with um, one of my oldest friends and we started getting involved in um, other films as well. Um, really just to, uh, you know, love up the other filmmakers that were working on exceptional projects and, um, you know, trying to spark conversations for a better world. So it's been, it's been an unexpected <laughs> journey yes. into that space of story. But what I keep realizing is like, it's, it's really just finding the right vessel for the right story and the right, um, and the right piece of change, you know, just really finding what's, what's best for an audience of kids or adults. Right. So I think that's kind of how I've been looking at all of it. And I guess for kids and nannies out there, you know, just to ask themselves if they're going to work on a project, you know, sometimes they might want to use video. Sometimes they might want to use writing sometimes like how do they want to share their stories and express themselves? Yes. I love that so much. And, and I, I've certainly, so one of my former nanny kids got super into stop motion for a while. And so we did a lot of like Lego stop motion in particular Lego, but, um, we didn't, we did, we tried claymation, but it wasn't his thing. He was like, I want Legos. And I said, okay. And, um, And that was so powerful. But I also agree that like just turning a camera on a child, there's so much power in our technology being being that vessel for children to talk and things. Because I think that a lot of times they, you know, they see us with our phones and even nannies and and parents and all sorts of caregivers who try your best not to be on your phone there are times when it takes your attention away and um and to have that then turn to them and be like okay now me and my phone are both paying attention to you and recording what you say so that we can all experience it again is really powerful Absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, giving the kids another tool of like video journaling, you know, or kind of just seeing themselves differently. And of course, you know, I love everything that's also going to help kids be really creative and connect with other people. You know, is it that you want to, you know, kind of express how you feel and share it with someone? Or is it that you kind of want to express how you feel and keep it to yourself? Right. Yeah. Just see it, see it for yourself. Yes. And I also think I, I imagine you know, students who struggle with writing, but have all of these thoughts, sometimes like it's not, the creativity is not at all the problem. Sometimes it's like how they're expected to communicate that creativity. And a lot of times we only give them writing it down as their only option or drawing is a lot of times acceptable, but yeah, recording them. I, I've had a listener who told me that um, she listens with her nanny child to Chronicles of Nannia and that her nanny child pretends to be 
Martha and interviews the nanny, which is so wonderful. And she was like, what ended up happening is that I got like all of this insight into what my nanny child thought makes a good nanny. And then I was able to like reflect that back. That is so awesome that I love that like interview style and the pretending to be you. (laughs) I know I was, I was very flattered. (laughs) Yeah. And I also really love what you said too, about, you know, sometimes, you know, we do think of certain go-to mediums to let kids express themselves. And I love what you're saying. You know, my oldest daughter has dyslexia and, you know, for her to read a book or write down a story was beyond frustrating. Mm -hmm. So I, it's funny, you know, she was, she was lucky enough that her high school actually had medals. So she actually started like expressing herself through metal, like just being able to manipulate like metal. Like she wound up creating these like statement pieces that told their own story, whether it was about family or connection or something like that. So you're right. Sometimes it's these out of the box, you know, I know a lot of friends who love to cook, you know, sometimes people like to express themselves or show things in their, in their stories. It's funny, you know, on the website, one of the things you could print out, we, we do, we have like mad cakes, like mash out your mad with mad cakes or like, you know, how can you whip your worry? Like, you know, sometimes we have this great big feeling. It could feel like, like spilled cream, like your thoughts are going everywhere, but then it's like, how can you whip it? And we obviously then my, my other daughter, um, my little one actually then showed kids like how to take this cream, whip it into something that's manageable, like whipped cream and make it kind of, you know, delicious, delicious, (laughs) but also, yeah, delicious, but also like just the representation of how to control your feelings because One thing I love to always talk about is like, yeah, it's like one thing on a day to day, you know, that we'd like kids to act a certain way or whatever, but it's, it's more than what we'd like. Like, it's really what we want for them for a lifetime. Like we want them to be successful. We want them to build connections. Like we want them to learn these soft skills so that they can interact in the, the most productive ways and feel good about themselves. Yes. And we also want them to be able to experience those big feelings and know that they will make it through that experiencing it and not trying to bury it is the healthiest way. (laughs) Um, And I, I just, I love that there, there's so much, there's so many ideas on your website and, and connections with your books that help really bring that about of like, it's okay to feel these. It's not only okay to feel these big emotions. It's normal. We need to, like, you have to sit with them. Otherwise they come up in a different way. That's even worse some of the time. And hopefully people, if they go to the website, if they go to waypassbooks.com, like I'm hoping, you know, maybe nannies will also watch, like we have these videos. Like I, I love working with kids. So kids like all over, you know, work with me on these videos and, and they can see like maybe spark an idea for like, 
what do you want to share? You know, when everybody was doing, finding other ways during COVID to have birthday parties, you know, we reached out to all these other kids to send in their videos of like, okay, how can you have, how can you have a celebration in during this time? Or, you know, how can you build your own quiet chip or how can you play, play a card game that helps you express your feelings? So really like just the idea of whether it's watching our videos or getting inspired to make your own with your own nanny kids. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I highly suggest going there. I, I will be visiting frequently for more and more ideas. (laughs) I love it. Um, and yeah, back really quickly to the different mediums and how we weigh them. I, I just, this is the hill that I will die on. Um, children who, uh, struggle with reading, Audiobooks are a really, really, really wonderful option. Amazing. And I just, I, when people say that audiobooks aren't reading, it is, it fills me, I'm way past mad when people say that because I, I was an English major and I love audiobooks and they light up the same parts of your brain that reading does. So it's fine. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that they, they lit up the same parts of your brain. Yeah. They did this study. I think it was 2018. They did a study where they, they looked at people's brains when they were listening to an audiobook versus when they were reading and it lights up the exact same parts of your brain. And in fact, the parts of your brain light up based on what's going on in the story way more than like how you're interacting with the story. Oh yeah. You're like just response. I guess that's like that flight or fight response to Mm -hmm. the way you'd feel. That's really cool. I learned something new. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. I I just wrote an article about it for a website I'm helping with. And so I did a lot of research and there's also, there's other find your article. I want to see that article. I will send it to you once it's, once it's published and available, I will certainly send it your way. Um, yeah. So I just, I wanted to touch on that because it is, like I said, it's my little pet project to help people understand that, Children who prefer audiobooks are not worse at school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if listeners want to find out more about you or get their hands on these wonderful books or participate in the world of Ha, how how do they do that? Well, the books are available at all of their local indie booksellers. They're available at all major retailers as well. Um, so you can get them online or you can get them in your local shops. And, um, what was the second question <laughs> And if, for the, the, um, world of ha. Oh, to find out more stuff yeah, about find me. Out more. Oh, you yeah. could always go to HaleyEdelman.com. It's probably like way too much information. You really, I promise you don't need to go there. <laughs> Listening to this, um, is probably the best way, but you can certainly do a deep dive if you want. Wonderful. Yes. And it is a beautiful website. I've been visiting it. So, um, you yeah, will actually the front, when you first get to the front image, um, there's a local illustrator, Darcy Marcantonio. She's amazing. And she's also, you know, drawn a lot for a lot of the swag that I've, that I've made. She's drawn the power stickers that say I'm way past calm. I'm way past awesome. I'm way past smart. I'm way past fearless. 
So you'll see her art there, which is, I guess that is the reason to go there. <laughs> yes, it's gorgeous. I love it. Um, and I love that that is also up in the icon on my browser, like on the tab. Um, that's so cool to me when the little icons are up there. Um, cool. Well, we end each episode with a cute, fun story. And Haley has brought one. Well, I don't know how cute and fun it is, but here's what I I, lo- I was thinking about this in a way of like, wow, what kind of ridiculous idea can we do with our nanny kids today? And I'll never forget, you know, when my um, kids were little, my brother-in-law would always take them through the McDonald's drive-thru. Mm-hmm. And when he would take them through on, on the special treat, I'm not advocating for, you know, to do that as a meal every single moment, but... Uh, You know, in one of those moments, they went through the McDonald's drive-thru and he would kind of just let the girls kind of place their orders with any accent, with any silliness. Like, I think they've tried to order like chicken soup at McDonald's before. Oh my goodness. (laughs) They tried to order like, you know, can I have the nachos? Like, so it's like really just so silly. And what he did was he always like audio recorded it. So, <laughs> so if you want like a ridiculous silly night and you might get somebody at the drive through a little bit frustrated but I think at the end they'll laugh because they always did and it was always fun so in the most fun spirited loving way have fun going through a drive through ordering ridiculous things and just being silly I love that and yeah what a way to like shake up <laughs> someone's day that's like <laughs> You know, doing the number one and the number five and whatever. And <laughs> totally. <laughs> someone trying to go rogue, go off menu. I love it. <laughs> Can I have the secret McDonald's menu? Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was a blast. Thank you so much. I had fun too. And I'm excited to uh, listen to your other podcasts also. Yay. Wonderful. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. I love providing Chronicles of Nannia to you at no cost. So if you love this podcast, please consider donating by clicking the support the show link in the show notes. I also totally understand if a donation isn't the way you can show your support right now. Another excellent way to support the podcast is to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings help other nannies and caregivers around the world find Chronicles of Nannia. Also, if you love the show, tell your friends. Word of mouth is so helpful to get the word out about the podcast. And truly, thank you for listening. It really means the world to me. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.